An eight. An eight. All right, John, with your dice roll of eight, the topic we'll be discussing today is how do you make dungeons more adventurous? I'm excited about this one. I don't know if I added this one or not, but it's a question I've I've (laughs) pestered a lot of you guys about over the last year, so... Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about running tabletop role-playing games. My name is Chris Salzman. My name is Andy Rao. And today we're joined by not one, but two guests. We have a fan favorite and uh, and returning guest, John Corey. And I didn't know I was a fan you favorite. Are, yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. And uh, for at least the first couple of minutes of the show, we have a special, special guest. And that is my son. And... The reason my son is on the show is not just because he's cute and awesome, but because this week, while we were all trapped indoors with a pandemic situation going on, he ran a his first game of Dungeons and Dragons for me, and uh, it sort of uh, happened kind of unexpectedly. I didn't even realize he was going to do it. I thought we were going to be playing a, a little dungeon board game, but it turned out to be a full blown role playing session. So That's we have awesome. a quest, couple questions for awesome. uh, the youngest GM here, and then. Um, <laughs> And then we can continue on with our discussion about uh, making dungeons more adventurous. So, son, I'm a, I, I guess is it best practice to avoid using yes, first name? Okay, yeah. son, you ran a dungeon for me a couple of days ago, and did you have fun running it? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, why don't you describe what how you put the dungeon together? Like, what did you use to actually build the dungeon? Well, um, I use this um, board game. Um, called Rumble in the Dungeon, like the set thing. Yep. I didn't actually play the normal game, so I just added whatever I wanted, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah we have this game, that. we have this board game called Rumble in the Dungeon, and uh, it's got these really nicely drawn little dungeon tiles you can, you know, lay down to make a little dungeon map. And I don't think, we've had it for years, and I don't think we've ever played it by the actual rules we just <laughs> do uh improv stuff with the dungeon tiles so we have never played with the rules that's right yeah so um, <laughs> i have two questions for you about your gaming experience first of all you are way younger than i was when i started uh playing D, yeah. and i'm sort of like the the old dude on the show who's always talking about the old days uh <laughs> when i was running games so uh, my first question for you is what was your favorite monster or sort of scene that you put in the dungeon? And, like, what made it so fun for you to run? Well, um, I'm not really sure what's, what it's actually called. But um, it's, like, this skeletal, like, like sorcerer um, with a, that um, floats around and has, like, a, a crown floating above it. I'm yeah. not really sure if, what it actually is called, but... I think if you were to look up that monster in the Dungeons and Dragons monster manual, it would be called a lich, because it's sort yeah, of like a skeleton yeah. wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, what made that? Um, what was, what was weird or fun about that fight? My dad kept kept on um, hitting the force field that was around it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some reason, and and didn't know that that the crown that was not in the force field was the powered source. Yeah. Uh, it went on for uh, embarrassingly long as I, <laughs> I repeatedly not, not, attacked the not thing's Not as long as it thought this cube. That's true. That at least took three hours. That's true. So why don't you tell us about one other... So why don't you tell us about one other encounter that you ran? 
Well, the gelatinous cube, like I just said. Okay. And what was cool about the gelatinous cube? Um, what did it take me forever to figure out I needed to do to beat it? Slam it into the wall with the shields. Yep. What did I? Mm. What What are the things I tried first that didn't work? Do you remember? He tried to um to trick and make it fall into the lava, but it didn't work. I did. Yeah. You <laughs> You can't really trick gelatinous cubes. It turns out they don't yeah. have the intellect to <laughs> beat it. Mm-hmm. Instead, it turned into pretty much a rock. Nice. And yeah, yeah. it was just a hockey rock. I finally figured out I could bash it. With a sort of shield charge into the wall and break it into lots of nice. little gelatinous cubes. So, yeah. All right. Well, would you run another dungeon, Alden? Yeah. You had a fun time maybe. with it. Okay. Well, I would like you to uh, make another dungeon for me. So, okay. hey, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And now I have bad. No- I have bad news for you. What? It's time for bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> so, thank you for being on the show, and see you, see you tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. You keep running games, maybe we can have you back on as a guest. Yay. Thanks, bud. So the the real big bad is bedtime. Yeah, it really is, and there's yeah. no there's right. really no that'll either. be the villain at the end of his next. Uh, yeah, it'll be a <laughs> giant bed with stories and yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, John, John, and Chris, thank you for uh, indulging me and my son there, uh, and mm-hmm. the listening that audience. That was fantastic. Thank you. So yeah, yeah. As a as a man whose family just thinks he's a huge nerd. Uh, I always admire the fact that your family, I think your daughter plays in an online game with her friends, right? And your son is the world's youngest game master, so. That's exactly right. right. And uh, this is, you're showing evidence of uh, maybe having listened to episodes of the show, which is a little little concerning. <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're a favorite. Uh, favorite yeah, so. That's right, because I not only am on the show, I listen to it, which is. Indeed. So, hey, um, real quick before we jump into the topic, what have you guys been up to? You just heard my most exciting gaming news. Uh, <laughs> what have you guys been up to gaming-wise, either role-playing-wise, or if you haven't done any RPG gaming, what else have you been up to in the last week or two? Yeah, I had um, my family and I have been playing a lot of games, um, but again, they're not huge nerds, so mm-hmm. we've been playing a lot of Clue, some Monopoly, all that kind of good stuff. So... That's been all right. As far as my my online gaming or my role-playing games, um, I played a game of Night Witches over the course of the last two weeks, which was really fun. Nice. Um, I had a friend who just volunteered to run it, and so I gave it a shot, and it was pretty great. Um, It was my first... I don't love online gaming, and I don't love gaming when I'm not the game master. <laughs> um, so it was sort of two strikes against it, but it ended up going great. I think the key to it for me was having short sessions. Mm. The sessions were two hours each, and we did it two hours one day and then two hours the next week. And um, that worked great, and we had fun, and our squadron did not all die in flames. Um, though I was the snitch, so I snitched some couple times to the political officer uh, if you don't know what Night Witches is, it's a it's a game where you play Russian airwomen mm-hmm. uh, in the Second World War bombing German positions, and I was the zealot who who uh, kept snitching on everybody <laughs> to the political officer. It was kind of fun. That sounds so. great. Is it self-contained enough that yeah. it's just a two-session and that's done, or are you going to keep playing? Yeah, I think, well, we had so much fun we might play again, yeah. uh, but we don't have anything scheduled, so we'll see. Did that game, is it divided into sort of... Uh, Stuff that takes place in like air combat, and then some sort of stuff that takes place on the ground, like interactions between the different pilots. Yeah, so it's it's powered by the apocalypse, like Dungeon World and Apocalypse World and Monster of the Week. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's specifically got two sets of moves. There's day moves and there's night moves, with all apologies to Bob Seger. Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, so during the day, you do things like scrounge for parts or fuel, or you interact with people, you size up the new pilots, you sort of do sort of interaction kind of stuff. And then the night is taken up by, you know, getting your mission and doing bombing runs and, and all that kind of stuff. And then the debrief, um, which is can always be exciting depending on what happens. That sounds nice. You know, um, Tachyon Squadron, uh, a game for the Fate Core rule set, has been on my two playlist for quite a while. And it it definitely sounds like it might have been somewhat inspired by Night Witches, just to the structure that it follows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. uh, Chris, how about you? What have you been up to last week? Yeah. Um, let's see. I ran a D&D session um, after our, our last episode that went pretty well. I am finally actually, I think, at the the, the last session. <laughs> it's going to be the next one. Um, so I've been saying this for the past like six or seven sessions. But I think <laughs> this one for real, the, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the big bad evil guy um, showed up on top of a, a giant black dragon in front of his castle. So, or yeah. her castle. So I don't think there's any way that it can stretch out longer, but I'm you know players so we'll see i I don't know can you they'll do everything they can i'm sure can you move the action into space like that might uh that might up the cool level so yeah yeah i uh, um i do not want to give away what i'm going to do i will tell you two after because i do have a question about (laughs) about if it's an awesome idea or like an eye rolly idea i think it's awesome but we'll see (laughs) and then the it could it could be both i just want to say like a good dad joke could be both eye rolling and awesome, <laughs> which honestly is sort of my GM style. So I think we we might be hitting the right the right track there. Um, Are you the then... uh, the living dad joke of GM? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I have had to say a couple times at the table um, that joke was just for me, <laughs> which is never a good. <laughs> so. Awesome. Yeah. Other than that, though, I've been playing a lot of um, a lot of as much as I can Final Fantasy VII remake, which is just. A big, dumb, lovely, glorious video game, which is what we all need right now. So, <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, good for you. So, hey, shall we jump into the topic? Please, yes. All right. So um, I'll go ahead and frame this one uh, because mm. this is a topic I've asked on like our Discord and probably on previous episodes. But I noticed uh, a couple of years ago while I was playing, I think, one of the Tomb Raider or the Uncharted games... Those are video games where you go through a lot of like dungeony environments of the sort that D and D players might uh, take their characters through. Except, right. um, but I was noticing that my the dungeons I was running in Dungeons and Dragons and other games were quite a bit less uh, thrilling and adventure feeling than mm-hmm. the games I was playing in Tomb Raider. Or if you think about uh, Indiana Jones, you know he's going through that dungeon at the beginning of um, the first movie and. He's navigating traps and things like that. It's just very exciting. There's a lot right. of running and collapsing <laughs> things. And sometimes it uh, felt like, by contrast, the ancient tombs that my players were exploring were being played out more like sort of a, a slow-moving, tactical, room-by-room <laughs> you know, combat scenario <laughs> where they're, you know, almost as if they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they're moving slowly, <laughs> uh, checking for traps the whole way They're Every time they meet a door, you know, it's 10 minutes of preparing to breach through the door. Uh, and 
Uh, that's all very fun, so I don't want to uh, bag on that, because that is a very no, Dungeons & Dragons sort of experience. But it is also very far from, like, the kinds of dungeon experiences we see in movies and video games. And so yeah. I guess my question, and I think at least part of the uh, vibe beneath this topic, is how can we inject... How can we make our D&D dungeons feel a little bit more dynamic and adventurous and capture that wonder of of exploring an ancient lost tomb that is lost sometimes when we get overly tactical uh, with our adventures. Um, so I'm just going to throw right, that out there. Right. And um, yeah, I guess, John, do you have a like a, a quick gut, gut response to that? I do. And I think that actually it speaks to why I don't play much Dungeons & Dragons anymore. Why I would rather play something that encourages a little more spontaneity like um, Dungeon World, and I know I keep harping <laughs> on that, but I'm sure I'll find another game that I like as much. <laughs> but I find if I do less prep and there's less of a sort of prepared environment, then there's more opportunities for spontaneity. Mm-hmm. The other side of that, of course, is that often you crash and burn <laughs> and it doesn't go well. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not that there's no prep, but my gut is you, you do it by making it not only spontaneous for the players, but spontaneous for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some other ideas about techniques you can use, but that's my, that's sort of my big. Yeah, point. I want to circle back on some things you just said, but first, let's get Chris. Let's get your quick response to the question: uh, Are your are your dungeons adventurous, or are they or not? Oh, maximally adventurous. Maximum adventure. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. And you and you play Dungeons no, and Dragons, yeah. so obviously it can't no. be done. Yeah, there. Uh, sometimes they are, and I will tell you what. Most of the time when they are, it's because I I start ignoring rules and stuff is just happening. Um, yeah. Yes. So ignoring rules and then starting to do stuff that's a little bit more time based rather than movement based, if that makes sense. So it's like this rock is falling. What are you going to do? You know, you have two seconds to decide. You know, those sorts of things right. rather than like you enter a room, how are you going to tactically, you know, set yourself up um, like that? It's like it's almost like the, the more detail you give, the less interesting it is as far as on, on the adventure spectrum, <laughs> the adventure to right, tactic right. spectrum. So, now, Chris, you've uh, you've started us down a dangerous road because once yeah. you start asking <laughs> dangerous questions like, why do I need all these rules? Like, There's really <laughs> only one place that ends and it's with like. Playing my life with master, or maybe just giving up the hobby entirely. <laughs> so. no, I, I think it ends with you having to buy my uh, my RPG on DMs. <laughs> yes, I think that we need to make yeah. our own. It will make our own powered by the apocalypse heartbreaker. Yes. It won't be yeah. an indie heartbreaker. Yeah. It'll be yeah. a it'll be a dungeon world so, heartbreaker. Um, go, uh, I have a couple of quick follow up questions to those things. So, um, what when you guys have run ad dungeons that felt adventurous and by dungeons i don't just mean underground labyrinths but you know that that sort of scene Mm -hmm. when when it has felt that way what was going on that made it feel that way what are like the characteristics of a good adventurous dungeon yeah well i think one big thing is that it contains things you don't expect Hmm. and more precisely things the players don't expect so if you've set them to go into the the ruined tower and there's a dungeon underneath the tower and there's a legend that there's going to be a sorcerer there to find the the the, either the sorcerer himself or the lich reanimated sorcerer can be fun Mm -hmm. but it's also exactly what 
that adventure is expecting. So you can play with that type and say, maybe it's a thriving community of goblins who are actually helping the environment. And <laughs> I don't know. You know, they have to, you know, the, the players, the adventure they thought they were getting into is not the adventure they're getting okay. into. Yeah. I think that's one thing that yeah. helps. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I ran a, I'll call it a dungeon, but it was more of a setting um, where some players were fighting this this boss that had a little bit of control over time, like time and physics a bit. Huh. Um, and that was a fun thing to play with, you know, so they, they entered into this, this, you know, it was basically just like a shimmering globe, right? You know, so, so they enter in and then everything um, inside of there just um, reacted a little bit differently so they could jump higher and their arrows flew a little bit more slowly you know things like that where it's just they kept on having to second guess what they thought was going to happen um all the time in it um and that one was really fun for me to run i don't know if it was fun to play but it felt like more adventurous <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah. like fun yeah. Yeah. yeah so then all of a sudden they could do stuff like oh there's um you know these these rocks that are 30 feet up but everybody can jump up that high right so all of a sudden everybody's just jumping around like crazy and doing all sorts of cool stunts like that um again right ignoring the rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right right yeah um that's I've, a good idea. I've noticed if you look at movies and video games that have these tropes of you know exploring tombs and stuff what's interesting to me is there is often at some point in the exploration some kind of uh time limit gets uh imposed mm -hmm. and in movies this this is almost always at some point the facility will start to collapse or yes. like, you know, uh, right. the ground will start yes. to shake and, and boulders start falling down and the, the warp core is going to exactly. explode. And, the, and sort <laughs> of the, the goal of the, the heroes shifts from getting down here into this dungeon to do whatever we want to getting back out before it collapses on us. And, uh, that's not really ever something I've done. Uh, <laughs> uh, doing timed stuff has always been felt sort of intimidating to me. Chris, you mentioned that you give players like, like very tightly timed uh, de de decision points. Can you talk a little bit about how you use time pressure? Yeah. So sometimes it's as simple as saying like you have one action essentially before this bad thing happens. Like you know, tell me how you get out of it. You know, or yeah, the the whole dungeon is collapsing. So that that like physics time based thing that I was just talking about. After they killed the the bad guy, right, the whole thing started to collapse. So then they have to figure out how do they get off this giant rock that's floating in the sky? You know, how do they do that quickly and, you know, get down to the, the ground and stuff? Um, so it led to some fun moments there. Um, and then another thing that I've been doing more recently is just stealing the clocks from Blades in the Dark. Mm. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So you just, you yeah. draw a little clock for like, I want this thing to happen you know, at some point, I don't need to give it hit points. I just need to say, you know, in four or five things, this is going to happen. Four yeah. or five actions, four or five something else happens, then this thing happens. Um, yeah, and that's a right. that's a neat way to sort of track it yourself, um, so you don't forget that you have this idea <laughs> idea percolating. Um, but then also to to give sort of a, a timing to it as well. Right, mm -hmm. and and you can you can do that by also having predictions not predictions but you can insinuate that that things are getting mm -hmm. worse without and you don't even need to do it directly but that's one thing you mm -hmm. can do um i i also like to do like in every movie you've ever seen not every movie <laughs> every pulpy action every movie you've movie ever seen, ever seen. <laughs> i do not believe this happened in remains of the dead <laughs> but um if you were to say uh okay we've got to get off this base 
and oh no, the warp core is going to explore. So that so what you always have is at least two things going on. And this is always something that I target is to say, okay, you've got to fight a big bad guy, but there's some other pressure acting on you. That's often time, but maybe it's the collapsing fortress. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's um, one of your comrades has gone into a coma and is getting worse by the second, like Mm -hmm. something. Um, So I think it's important because often I think when they're non-adventurous, it's like, okay, we're going to go into the dungeon. We have all the time we want. And then we're gonna, we know we're gonna find the boss at the mm-hmm. end. And not that that can't be fun, but if you don't have a second stressor on their decision making, then, um, it's le- then, then it feel then there's less pressure. Yeah. Um, some people don't like my games because I try to put on a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> do you always try to give them, is there always a way out to sort of do everything perfectly, or are you always like ready to take something away? I'm always ready to take something away, but I also believe in fail forward. So if they screw up, it'll be bad, mm-hmm. but but it doesn't mean it's the end of yeah. the road. Like like I think you have to eliminate not 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 that characters can't die or fail, but you have to you have to remove the binary failure to get what I'm going for. Which doesn't mean you can't play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. It just means you change how you play it a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so um. Do you guys? So one of the big tropes you see in this sort of uh, film and video game is the puzzle, and it's usually some sort of environmental puzzle. In video games, it you know involves moving, maybe moving blocks or pushing pillars or something like that. And in movies, it might be you know, um, you know, looking at the code or the runes or whatever, and, and putting them in the correct order. Do you guys? Uh, I, I know for a lot of people, the thought of like dungeon puzzles is a little bit makes them wince a little bit because they can be unfun experiences. Do you guys <laughs> do you guys do those sorts of dungeon puzzles? And if not, like how do you capture that that um, that sort of experience? I I do not generally make puzzles with a planned solution. Mm-hmm. I may I may create a puzzle, um, and then I sort of. <laughs> This is really cheating, and some people refuse to play this way. Yeah. I when when they come up with a solution that that they think is pretty cool, yeah. I'm like, "Yep, that sounds good." Awesome, you know. So I, it, you know, I, I one time, and I don't know if I told this the last time I was on. I spent like an hour coming up with the perfect puzzle for my math genius um, sorcerer, and it took him three seconds yeah. to solve and. And I was like, I'm not good at this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, have you ever sprung like a classic dungeon puzzle on a party? Uh, no, mostly because I don't. I don't feel confident that I could create one that's very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will do. I'll do stuff that's more like a like observations, if that makes sense. Like, oh, like, can you? <clears throat> If you look around, you observe this thing that's going to give you a clue about what you're about to about mm-hmm. to find. So I'd never do like a like, and this lock has you know five combinations. And you <laughs> need to find the, the different keys. <laughs> I'd, I'd like you to play yeah. Mist real quick here while yeah. we wait. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which would be fine by me, but right, you know, so I'm coming up with those those puzzles, which is the hard part. Yeah. Um. So my my GM Matt Wilson, he he does a really good job of this. So he will actually have like props prop sort of puzzles that he puts out on the table. Um, and those are really fun to go through. Although it's happened a couple times where he has some sort of cipher that he's found. And like, there's a bunch of nerds at his table. who are just like, Oh, I know that cipher. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that's that's Kryptonian, just like Superman. Yeah, know your audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, can I talk? Can I tell a quick story? Uh, so I, this was really a fortuitous roll on the table. Um, earlier today, I was on a walk with my daughter, and we were we were on a path in the woods, and we had to step to the side because there were some other people coming. So we stepped off uh, off of the path into some leaves and startled a nest of snakes. Oh my god! Today. So all of a sudden, these like five gardener snakes, right? right these things are tiny. Right? They're 12, 12 to eighteen inches long, or something. Just like flew out of the, you know, out of the leaves. You know, a couple of them, you know, poke their heads out to, you know, see what we're we're doing. And it was just this moment of like terror, and then all of a sudden we were just fascinated, and like we got down on our knees and looking at these snakes and everything. And it, it was just this this moment in a day that was otherwise pretty normal that felt very adventurous. And hmm. all we did was startle like a couple snakes. Um, I've been thinking about it since then, you know, like even before we rolled this, you know, just like, like what about that was so, so charming and so like adrenaline raising, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, cause they're, it's not like these were a danger to us at all. It was something about the surprise of it and like, and the, the novelty of it too, that I think was really, um, hmm. really interesting. Yeah. It just made me think it's like, you know, we're always like throwing these big, scary monsters at our players, but like. I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, a normal animal would probably be very scary to an actual human if it was an intent on rampaging towards them, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Even if it just surprises you, I once almost had a heart attack over a groundhog when I was walking in the woods because it just made a huge noise. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, you're a big tough hero at that moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So maybe attention to some of those more um more mundane like surprises mm -hmm. or, or minor yeah. dangers uh. yeah because you'd mentioned tomb raider and i feel like in tomb raider you're often fighting like tigers and oh yeah you're kind of like... you're eradicating the wildlife of the okay. entire <laughs> continent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe there's some other problems but <laughs> yeah but you're not you're not fighting like mutant tigers right you're fighting right like... yeah you're not fighting yeah. a dragon right yeah yeah um so another thing that um appears in a lot of D, D dungeons but the experience of it is different i feel than it is in the like these sort of cinematic movies is traps um mm -hmm. do you guys do your dungeons tend to be heavily loaded down with traps and how do you what happens when a trap goes off or the party notices that there's a trap how do you guys proceed mm. well i i do do traps I do traps and I in real life um, uh, as well. I, I, yeah. yeah. I um I like them and I tend to keep them simple, mm -hmm. right? So they could be solved. But I also like it to be a chance, you know, if they fail, the consequences need to be real. Mm -hmm. Um so one example is I just had this trap. It was actually one of my favorite convent convention stories, right? So it was this this trap, and if they stepped on a plate, it was going to release these two automatons. Uh, but they saw it, and and they they got around it. And and at my table were two twelve year olds, and as they successfully solved this trap, they sort of looked at each other, and and they were getting kind of bored. And one looked at me and goes, "I'm going to go back. I'm going to sneak back. I'm a, I'm the rogue, and I'm going to trigger that trap." <laughs> I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yes." I'm like, "It's on." So. The consequence of that was extreme, though. The wizard didn't know it was happening, and then suddenly the automaton has him by the throat, and he's holding him <laughs> in the air. Because I think you've, to make it adventurous and to make traps exciting, they've got to be about something other than hit points. Mm -hmm. They've got to be about a real consequence mm. to 
the adventure. Yeah. Yeah, like you slip and you take falling damage. Great. But like if you slip and fall into a hole, that takes you somewhere else, right? That's that's very interesting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I have trouble with traps because I find that um they bring out the most um like methodical tactical <laughs> problem solving in most groups I play with. You know, if if there's you know, a pressure plate or something like that. You can be sure in in games, a lot of games are on that the action will come screeching to a halt as everybody breaks out their 10 foot poles. And like they set up very <laughs> elaborate ways of removing all, all any excitement or danger that that trap once had is removed after like a team of engineers has been carefully <laughs> insulating themselves from it for 10 minutes, you know, uh, yeah. whereas, you know, Indiana Jones just like, gives it stares at it intently and then tries to leap over it right but like a yeah. D party will stop and like break out their equipment and stuff like that do you guys have that problem or is that just me oh no no okay. i have that i mean i don't know if it's a problem though i guess well, it's well, like and by problem yeah. <laughs> i mean it, it it is his own type of fun but yeah yeah it, it does it grinds down it grinds the action down to a halt because like part of it's part of it is the novelty I'm going down this hallway and all of a sudden I see, see a stone that is different, right? <laughs> like yeah. I want to tell me about that stone that is different. Oh, well, it triggers a trap and, and all that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there is sort of that, that tactical thing that comes out of it. I, I, the thing that I always struggle with is, you know, how, how much time, you know, how much do you allow them to sort of tinker with it? Right, so this is the classic like D and D problem. It's like, do you let everybody in the the party roll for that thing? <laughs> yes. You just give one person advantage because they're all staring at it, you know <laughs> that that sort of stuff. Um, which is why, like, if I can, I like to introduce some sort of you know, secondary sort of trap that's associated with it, so you can kind of split the party, so they're both both trying to figure things oh, out yeah. at the same time. It's that classic D and D problem of like, if there's no time constraints and the rules don't really <laughs> stop you from yeah. doing it, what's to stop? The party yeah. wizard, you know, what's to stop everybody from rolling 300 times until they finally pick the lock <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you, Chris. I think Period. that's why you need a time yeah. constraint yeah. to make to make traps work. I think you need one there, too. The other thing I do is um, often I'll, you know, one of the things um, in Dungeon World or in a Powered by the Apocalypse game is that you, if they fail a roll, this is one of my favorite things to do, I just go, yep, it went off fine. Because one of the things you can do is sort of hold that against them later. Mm-hmm. So if you can take a, if you mm-hmm. want to go take a hard move against them, it doesn't have to be in the moment. <laughs> so, you know, an hour later I'll be like, and you spring a trap. And there's no investigation, there's nothing, oh, it just happens. Um, and then it becomes, and the trap is not a problem for the person it's getting sprung on, it's the problem for everybody else. Like Chris's example of falling through a mm-hmm. hole, right? Now the party's got to go get yeah. you. And that's the real adventure. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Chris, yeah. did I, I cut you off earlier? Uh, did you want to keep going on what you were talking about? You were talking about um, how you try to introduce sort of a second uh, pressure on people yeah. when, when they get a little bit too sluggish. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so one way I might approach that, so if there's a pres- like, you know, pressure plate on the ground, right? Like you can, you can set it up so as soon as they investigate it, they realize that that pressure plate is actually attached to a second one that's down, down the hallway, right? Because, like, again, you got to remember, like, just because you – you have your map sort of drawn. It doesn't mean that it's, it's the truth. <laughs> you know, like you can, <laughs> you can change yeah. it. Right. Like, so, I mean, I think just like introducing sort of secondary elements to it in, in any way, um, you know, especially if it's something that like has some sort of story significance too, right? Like if it's something that you, 
want them to either trigger or otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just make it a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to not like traps that are just like, well, you didn't, you didn't investigate those stairs before you went down them. So now you, you've taken falling damage. It just yeah. seems like, well, you're just setting them up to always be wary of stairs, yep. which might be fun, but it's like, yeah, that's not really as, um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to be the gotcha GM, at least no. not too much because it, it reinforces bad in, instincts that are not going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It makes them more yeah. cautious, yeah. right? I'm trying to yeah. think of the, like the Indiana Jones movies. How often does he just trigger a trap that isn't like super obviously a trap, right? Like it's it's always feels like he's going through these stages where it's like it's very clear that he he's going to have to surmount some sort of challenge that's in front of him, yeah, right. When, right. when he gets to it, and that that's kind of like like right. He like he wouldn't just stumble into a pressure plate that shoots him right like it's just you know it would be very clear like you know the the hallway would be lit in such a way that he knows that there's something going on but one thing that is that is true but he also ends up setting off the traps a lot right yeah. um he does like, or his dad yeah. sets him yeah. like, him, which is it, fun. it it rarely i guess in i can think of one or two instances like where he uh kind of disables the trap like that like that mm-hmm. ancient light based uh trap uh <laughs> yes. that yes. famous one but generally speaking, like, he might see the trap and stuff like that, but you know he's going to end up, like, diving through the the flying uh, spears, you know, at some point, right? Because, like, he huh. never finds a switch and just, like, stops them from going off, right? Or yeah. maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering that. No, I think no, you're right. I think you're, but I think you're on to something, which is, okay, this isn't a trap you can disable, but you can get around mm-hmm. it yeah. using various skills, and that is more adventurous than... Than unhooking the tripwire, right? Yeah. Right. If if you know that the the trap is a chomping blade that you have to roll on your decks to avoid, and that's the way you get around it. It's not that you can turn it off. I think that's more adventurous than than just oh yeah, here's a switch. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think like I'm thinking about it, and he just stumbles into all those. Like he's, yeah. he yeah. sees it coming and it hits him. Yeah. Like yeah. if you think yeah. I, in the third movie, like yeah, there's this uh, trap. He's in and he's doing his final trials to get to the yeah. Holy Grail or whatever. And uh, and there's this one sequence where, like, yeah, it's those spinning blades that all pop out yeah. and stuff. Like, a D&D party would, like, throw stuff in there and, like, <laughs> measure where the blades were and stuff like that. But Indy just, like, runs in and trusts that he's going to be able to instinctively dodge mm-hmm. these things, right? Uh, but you know what he does? That's a, such a good example. So he's got a roll on his decks, mm-hmm. right, to succeed. Once he gets through, he can disable the trap for everybody oh, that's else, true. which is what yeah. he does. So, 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 in order to disable the trap, you have to do something adventurous mm-hmm. first. I think is the the lesson there. Yeah. Man, I feel <laughs> I've like that was that was a little mind blowing there. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I just learned something cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, I need. And he was about to make some ar- argument that Indiana Jones is actually not a hero, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, hell no. <laughs> just, like I, yeah. I'm just trying to think. Like every party. I know would be, you know, like they would be trying to seal off the openings that the blades came through. I don't know. It would be, it would be fun in its way, but it would not be, no one would (laughs) end up dodging the blades. uh, I guess that's a, that's a cool, that's a cool thing. And it would also, you know, give somebody really the chance to shine. Whoever has the skills most relevant for doing the Mm -hmm. adventurous thing. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, well, we should probably wrap it right there. We've been going for a little bit, and I think now we all just want to go watch Indiana Jones. I know, that is so. absolutely, and yeah. when we're done here, I should go to yeah. bed, but I'm going to see where I can to... find Indiana Jones. But yeah. yeah. Can I throw in uh, two yes, tips please. that I always use personally to make my adventures please. more exciting? One is the one is the not too much planning, which I won't harp on mm-hmm. too much. But the other one is, and I don't think we do this enough because we're not. I don't want to make it sound like I'm a method actor because that's not what mm-hmm. I do. But what I do like to do right before I GM is to consume pulpy material, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's Indiana Jones or. Conan the Barbarian, or I actually um, for for a couple sessions I was watching Aliens, oh. like the really stressful part of Aliens, because it puts you in the mood of propulsive action, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in that mood, you're more likely to offer it to your players. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I like to do. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's the big thing I like to do. And again, I like to uh, give them stuff they can't avoid without doing something. They can't they can't just switch it off. They have to engage in some adventurous activity to do it fill their lives with adventure because that's what they're there for yeah so yeah that's really good you know i i honestly if i take one thing away from this john it's that insight that um yeah you can disable it but you'll have to do something that's not just like sit here and make a lockpick check you're gonna have to like someone's gonna have to scramble up there to get to the lever or someone's gonna have yeah dive through the swinging blade or do something and once they're through, maybe they can right. let the rest. Yeah, because that's the fun but, part. You don't yeah. need to watch the wizard fumble, you know, his dexterity roll. Right. Uh, but well. Uh, well, you do kind of need yeah. to see and, that. And right? also, yeah, and you can't. Um, the person who does it can't be the character of the player who's not there. <laughs> yeah. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's perfect. Um, well, that's really good. Um, yeah, I think, so let's, let's call it. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on. This was super good. And, um, I love coming yeah. on this podcast. You yeah, we love having awesome. you on. Now you're a yeah. great guest. So yeah, thanks for taking uh, some time out of your, uh, out of your life. Uh, I don't know if it's, if, are you finding yourself more busy or are you finding yourself with lots of extra time in this, this time of pandemic? Um, lots of extra time. Um, cause my, because my kids do their schoolwork during the day. I do my work, and there's no errands to run. There's no soccer practice to go to. There's no rehearsal to pick my daughter up from. So soccer practice is online. It's 25 minutes. He does it in the driveway. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there are many ways we are all adapting uh, to this situation. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. exactly. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, good discussion, okay. guys. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. Again, thank you, John. Thank you. (laughs) Remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM.